Well, welcome to another episode of Speed Change Repeat uh, today with Nico Poletti. Um, hello, Nico. Hi. Well, uh, well, thanks for um, being on the show today. And we usually always start the same way. So uh, we actually um, give the stage to our guests to kind of introduce himself or herself in a, in a storytelling way to kind of uh, let our guests, uh, our, our uh, listeners know on who we are dealing with today and uh, where this person comes from and uh, what has shaped the person and where he is today. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So first of all, I'm one of these car guys, a real petrol head. I'm 38 years old. Um, at age 15, I decided two things. Number one, I want to become an entrepreneur. And number two, I want to work in the automotive industry. So these two things were very clear for me at a very, very young age. And today I know that um, that was a kind of, I was, I was lucky to have these two very clear things in mind at age 15. I started working as a, at a gas station um, in 1997, um, then did an apprenticeship at an Audi dealership, and then continued my career and uh, spent seven years at Porsche in different uh, positions. I first sold cars. So I was one of these guys selling cars to other people um, and then had a great career. I was the youngest managing director of a Porsche center in Germany at age 27. And that was the time when I met Christina, my, my wife and business partner. Um, and the, the two of us, we, we quit our jobs in 2010, so right after the financial crisis. And that, of course, was somehow scary because leaving a job um, with a high salary, with a great social, um, um, the, the, the social, how would you say? Benefits. Yeah, exactly. And everybody accepts you. Um, th this, is, this, is, this, is, this was a, a very hard decision to quit these jobs. Um, we quit our jobs because our first goal uh, was to become entrepreneurs, and that was because that was why we quit these jobs. And we started working on our first company, EasyAutoSale.com, in late 2010. The service was launched in two 2011 um, together with Andy, our co-founder, responsible for tech and product. And we sold the company in 2015 to Autoscout24 when we reached 100 million in GMV. Then in 2017, we started working on Cluno.com. Cluno is um, Germany's leading car subscription provider. We are a team of 100 people now working from our Munich office. Now, now we are working from our home offices at the moment. Yeah, that's that's. Somehow my background. <laughs> Somehow in a nutshell. You know what? You know what I find really interesting is, first of all, I 100% agree with you that uh, you have been really, really lucky and fortunate to to have this, you know, this clarity uh, at this young age. Because, yeah. like, what I what I observe um, often or very, very often nowadays is that, uh, especially, you know, in well, I I most definitely can speak, let's say, for my generation, is that. This is something that a lot of people struggle with, you know, even though they might have, you know, the best backgrounds, you know, the, the, the kind of like you can categorize them as the winners of, of globalization, you know, and maybe also, you know, perfectly set for this new digital age. 
but they're really struggling in terms of like what they actually want, you know, like to answer the question of what they really, really want themselves, you know. And uh, I find that I find that really, uh, really amazing to see that, first of all, you had like at 15, you were, you know, so definite in your uh, in your future uh, goals, basically. But what I find even more fascinating is the fact that you say, okay, so two things, I want to be an entrepreneur. And the other thing, I want to work in the automotive industry. And I mean, um, you more or less can answer or can agree to this even, um, or let's say very, very much is that the um, you know, being an entrepreneur obviously is harder, you know, than obviously than working in the automotive industry. And what I find fascinating yeah. <laughs> is that obviously, you know, you, you went your, uh, you went your way and, and got into the automotive industry, right? Had your success there, you know, where, where, um, have, uh, being the first, uh, or let's say the youngest managing director of a, of a, of a Porsche sales centrum. And, and then, you know, having this, this, um, you know, the, the ability to, to, you know, take the long approach and wait, you know, and be patient. And I think the key word here is patience, you know, I mean, what, what, how old were you? I mean, you were already married, right? At that, at that point, I guess, uh, when, when you decided to, you know, to embark on the uh, adventure of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, we, we, we were not married. Christine and I got married uh, when we sold after we had right, right, right. But, but it doesn't matter. I mean, still you were, how old were you? I mean, that you were already at, at the time when I left my job, I was 29. See, and I mean, I mean, and yeah. that is, that is, that is this, 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 uh, this notion of patience, right? I mean, when you were already clear at 15, right. And you still, you waited, right. And you were, yeah. And I, I find that very, very fascinating. Let, let me share one quote with you. I read that quote, I think, 10 years ago. And I have a note where I put some of these quotes. And the, the quote goes like this. Some things in life are dangerous and others are scary. Staying in my old job would have been dangerous, but right. not scary. Right. Building my own business was not dangerous, but scary. And right. that's exactly how, how we felt back in 2010. We knew that if we would stay in that job, that th these jobs were great jobs. But we, the next step would have been we um, built, we, we buy a house and it's kind of waiting for retirement. Exactly. And for us, it was clear that that's not our life. Exactly. Yeah, I, I can I can relate to that thought very, very much. But I, I think that's what a lot of people, you know, I think it's, it's easy to say, you know, but like, I think this really this point of patience, I think that's what most people lack, you know, and that's what most people struggle with, you know, because they, yeah. you, because I mean, like, you know, having like, you know, one year goes by and another year goes by, right. And then really being clear on that and not forgetting that, you know, and then of course, most people struggle with then, you know, uh, basically leaving the safe place, right, you know, and then jumping into the scary part. But for yeah. most people, what I also observe is that they are not you know, that they cannot bear the, the, the time, you know, or like the patience they need, you know. Yeah. And, and that's something I find really, really fascinating. But, um, you know, uh, very interesting. So I'm, I'm really excited for this talk. Uh, let's jump into actually what your current company is about, right? Yeah. So, and you said, okay, you're a car head, right? And I think let's start with the, with the easiest one, or let's say not the easiest one, but I guess, uh, an, a very interesting, interesting one to get your opinion on, um, on the, the whole discussion of, well, how 
does the future of mobility actually look like? Because I, preparing for this talk, I watched a video of you um, at the NOAA conference, yeah. um, which obviously gave me already a good insight uh, for all the listeners. I can only recommend that talk. It's uh, really fascinating, especially the, the numbers that you drop in the beginning. And uh, that was really crazy, especially that, that figure with, okay, that from individual mobility, 75% of that has to do with the car. The rest yeah. is the sharing market. So. That is really, really interesting. So I want to, I want to get your take on how you see actually the future of mobility. Yeah. Let me, let me first um, just make that point. If you, if you look at individual mobility in, in Germany, this is a study uh, from 2018, so not very old. Um, 75% of all trips are still done by car and 25% are done by all kinds of shared mobility, say public transport, car sharing and others. Of course, there are a lot of companies focusing on this shared mobility space. And I think that's right. Shared mobility is a, is a smart thing and it makes sense in super urban areas. But 75% is car ownership. So all kinds of car ownership, financing, leasing, cash payment, and now subscription. And this old market is dominated by incumbents. And this is, this is a big chance because not so many um, um, of these young um, digital companies focus that large market because they all look at this new sharing. Right, market. right, right, right. Yeah. I, I, I focus this old market because it changes, but it stays big. Even if it shrinks a little bit, it stays massively. Yeah, right, right. This is important for me. If I think about the future of mobility, I would say that what we experienced perhaps in the last decade or in the last two decades is something we can now in this crisis challenge. Does it really make sense to fly to Paris and Mallorca and London for a two hour business meeting? Does it really make sense to fly to Mallorca for a weekend? Do we really need to behave like this? Does this, this really make sense? And I do not want to judge um, over um, other people's lives, but I think what we now see is that we are really getting, getting digital now. We have this call today via um, Teams in this case. So video conferences, I think, will replace a lot of um, um, travel we did in the past because people get used to it and they see that it works. It fucking works. Right. You don't need to go to Berlin for, two, for a two-hour meeting. It's simply not necessary. So this, this corona crisis is something that kind of fuels the development of a change behavior in mobility. Then I think that um, we will always use cars. We, the, the human being is kind of a, um, we, we need and want to travel, but in another way than we did um, so far, I think. A lot of uh, travel will be done by car. People will avoid public transport. They will more and more focus and the, uh, like the experience um, of an individual car. And this is what we see in this crisis at the moment. Our business went up when this corona thing came up. Mm -hmm. We saw that people registered and subscribed to our cars because they simply do not want to use public transport anymore. So this is kind of a short-term um, development. This, is, this fuels our business. I think in urban areas, 
sharing is a good thing and makes sense. But at the same time, we see that even in cities like uh, Nuremberg, for example, Nuremberg is too small for these big car sharing companies. And this is somehow ridiculous. Nuremberg is a, is a really big city, right. but it's too small to offer car sharing so that it works um, economically. Mm-hmm. So sharing will always be around. It will be around in big cities. Uh, it makes sense in super urban areas, but the car um, will profit from the future of mobility and it will win. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a couple of um, interesting points that you mentioned. Um, one, I totally agree with you from also my personal observations and talks with a lot of people within the mobility space is that um, I think, especially when you look at the startups, uh, startup space and uh, or let's say scale up space is that I think a lot of people or entrepreneurs or people that are in this space are blinded by, okay, these new trends or how can we do something completely different? And um, almost everything that you see has to do with, um, with, you know, these new types of mobility, right? And if you think about it, especially, I mean, the last two years or last, yeah, let's say the last uh, 24 months, right? Seeing one shared mobility startup after another, especially within the scooter space, right? I mean, that's just simply ridiculous, right? What I I think... I'm I'm still struggling with my personal opinion on whether this um, this view on you know having more sustainable mobility you know having for example less cars you know is something that is kind of like a you know kind of a dream of people you know because especially I mean if we look at uh, if we look at a country like Germany for example right I mean that's try to have the sharing concept, you know, for most people in Germany, it's not working because most of the people are not living in the big cities, right? I mean, the biggest city that we have doesn't even cross 5 million people, you know? And, um, therefore I think also it's, it's, it's really, um, it's, I think, and that, that's also something I believe we will see after the, after the Corona um, crisis, or let's say in general, after this, um, this whole, Thing will kind of smoothen and, and, and economically we will go back up again. I think there will be a redefinition in, 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 in terms of what what are we looking at in, in, in startups and ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add. I want to add um, two thoughts. Number one, you, you just mentioned perhaps we should have less cars. If you look at the numbers in the last ten years, the number of registered cars in Germany grew from 40 million for zero right. to 48 million. Right. So by 20% in 10 years. And I totally agree. It does not make sense to put more cars on the road. I totally agree. But it makes sense to change the way of how people have access to these cars. And I think sharing is just one type of access to cars. Subscription, in my opinion, is the better way of, or, or the, the, the better type of having access to cars. It's not about selling cars. This is one uh, way of, one type of, of access to cars. I think subscribing to them and having the possibility to terminate that subscription if you don't need a car anymore makes really sense because it has the potential to re- reduce the total number of cars on the road. If you don't need it anymore, you simply stop your subscription. Mm-hmm. And that um, hurdle is smaller 
um, than selling, for example, your car if you don't need it for six months. You would not sell it. You would perhaps park it anywhere, but you would not sell it. So access is the important thing. It's not so much what you would use or which car you would use. It's about changing access. And this is what we are focusing on, mm -hmm. changing that access, developing a, a new form of access. Mm, I find that interesting. And let, let me connect to, the, the, to this next logical uh, thought, I guess, uh, which is how, that, how would that basically affect the automotive industry? Because if we're saying, okay, so yes, you know, it's not about putting more cars on the street, you know, it's not about, you know, fueling that consumerism because, you know, yeah. for example, having 20, 20 euro flights, you know, to uh, Mallorca or to, uh, to, Lon to London or to Berlin, you know, for people to then party all, all weekend, you know, and, you know, kind of like ha having the future generations pay for that, you know, is kind of, you know, the same thing as, you know, fueling the consumerism of people, you know, buying more cars in general. So then if it's about, okay, you know, giving easy or uh, making the access to cars or mobility in that sense cars uh, easier how how would that affect then the automotive industry yeah, so i think there are there will be oems car manufacturers who will suffer from that development and others will win um i think the the change will be that it's not so much about the technical asset and the brand anymore but it's much more about experience and access. Let, let me make a let me uh, point that out and make a very simple example. Okay. If you buy and think about mobility, it does not matter which brand the car is. It simply does not matter. You would not um, decide you take the Volkswagen taxi uh, uh, and not take the. Uh, Renault taxi or another one. Right. So it's about mobility. And this is what I see. It's not so much about the technical asset and the brand anymore, but it's much more about experience and, um, and access. And this is why I think um, brands that are not so strong and not so well known and, don't so, and do not so much sell on their brand will benefit from this situation. Because if it comes to mobility, Brand is kind of a second decision. And in the past, the, the, the brand, the, the choice of car you did as, a, as a, a consumer was kind of a status symbol for your friends, for your neighbors, for your peer group. And this is something that will change. So it will affect the industry. And car manufacturers, I don't think that they really realize what's, what's going on because Younger people do not really care any more, uh, uh, so much about the brand anymore, and this is what we see. I think that's a bold statement, but like, do you if 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 you're saying that, like, because I. I, um, you know, I have the same opinion, which I can state for me personally, you know, like for me, like, you know, having the the flexibility, you know, in terms of, okay, if I need if, if I need a car and yes, I do need a car, you know, I don't want to make this huge financial commitment, you know, and then saying, okay, I need to buy this buy this car. And then obviously, because, you know, things also break down, you know, and stuff. And, and then I also need to take care of that. There will be additional costs adding to that. And at some point, I'll probably need to switch the car to a new one. And this, this is the vicious cycle, basically, right? So I, I want the flexibility of just give me the access, right? Sell me the access. But then, you know, that's my personal opinion. 
and uh, I don't have any data on, on let's say, on the large, uh, uh, you know, majority of people. So is that actually something like, do you collect data or like, how do, how do you, how do you know that, you know, this is actually a fact that, you know, young people do not really care about the brand, but more or less on the, on the, um, on the axis. Yeah. So you're right. Um, there's, there's one thing we focus on in our product. And this is, I think, the, the main thing our customers buy. And I would say it's the freedom to walk away at any time. Right. If you don't need it anymore, you can walk away. If you're bound by a three-year leasing contract or if because you purchased that car in cash, you're bound to a technical asset that only depreciates over time. This is bullshit. It does not make sense. Okay. We sell the freedom to walk away at any time. And if, if I look into the numbers, we did a, we did a customer survey um, among all our customers and um, um, all potential customers uh, who were interested in, in doing a car subscription um, um, with Cluno. And we asked them, what are your key drivers of interest? Number one answer was all-inclusive pricing. And that's not about being cheap. It's about price certainty. Because you know your monthly costs for that Opel Corsa at Cluno are 269 euros and nothing else. And this is important, having that price certainty. And number two was flexible duration. Having the flexibility that if you don't need it anymore, you can just walk away. And then number three, number three was choice of brand and brands and models. So yes, it's smart to have an, uh, a multi-brand choice, but it's not as important as in the past. Mm -hmm. So if you think of the, two, of the first two reasons, all-inclusive pricing and flexible duration is something that traditional dealerships and car manufacturers simply do not offer. Right. And this is, I think, the critical point. Yeah, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. But then again, I mean, what you also were talking about in that talk uh, uh, is that that the notion of, okay, so Cluno is a full stack, or let's say operates on a full stack business yeah. model. So then tell me, I mean, what you are offering me then basically as a customer, right, is you are, you are basically taking the risk of financing these cars, right? You are the one that is, that is basically, you know, going up front, you know, um, and then offers me this range. So can you pl please elaborate maybe a little bit more on, 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 the, on that notion, on that business model? So what basically, what would a, so if I, what, because like, I, I think what, what I also kind of try to understand is, you know, how, how does that then compare to, you know, the future of a big automotive, automotive company? Because I mean, ultimately your business is also dependent on the automotive industry, right? On the, on the different players, right? Because somebody yeah, sure. has to produce the cars, right? Yeah, sure. So we will still need cars in the future, for sure. So we need the car manufacturers. We need them all. But I think that the way people ha get access, so via leasing, financing, or buying, is not the way of the future. Right. Coming back to the business model. So, yes, we are full stack. Full stack for us means that we buy the cars, we decide which cars we buy. We take care about registration, about taxes, about insurance, about 
refinancing of all these technical assets, about tires, wear and tear, services, and so on. So this is a, a horrible uh, complexity in operations. Definitely, yeah. This is this is really um, the big boys game because it's not it's not just a website. We are speaking. We are, we are talking about thousands of cars on the road, and all of them want to get their winter tires on time and so on. So this is a horrible operative business, but we like it. Um, I think that the huge advantage is that customers do not want to spend weeks and days and hours on doing research, negotiating prices, and thinking about which options they need in their next car and which color they should choose, and so on. And, and once again, a very simple example. We at Cluno would never, never ever buy a yellow Volkswagen Golf with three doors <laughs> because it simply has a really bad residual value. And that leads to a high monthly rate for the customer. So why are we attractive regarding pricing? Because we simply optimize the whole value chain. We buy the black Volkswagen Golf with five doors, with automatic transmission, with LED uh, light and so on. So we really think about optimizing every single step of the value chain. And by that, we are even cheaper than if you would commit to a 36 months lease, if you calculate the total cost of ownership. Yeah. So basically, um, I mean, I, under, I, I, under, I understand it. So basically the personalized, the personalized aspect of, you know, the, I think that, that example with the yellow car is quite good, you know, with uh, having the yellow car with three doors or so, that the personalized aspect obviously costs money, right? So if I want yeah. to have my car to not be, you know, um, kind of off the shelf in the terms of that it's, you know, um, kind of mass, mass, mass production, mass, mass, um, yeah, I guess mass production, then that obviously costs also more money, right? Right. Okay. But, um, so I would add, um, some customers ask, ask us if they, if they can, um, kind of order the car, like they want to have it. Right, in a right. special color and so on. And we always tell these, tell these customers, hey, we are not your right partner. You should yeah, yeah. go to the dealership and just buy the car you want because yeah. we don't have it exactly. and we will never have it. Exactly. I like that. I, I like that thought a lot. So, uh, Nico, let's... let's um, what I kind of want from you as well is because you're in the game and, um, and, and you know, you said it yourself that you have been interested in automotive all your life. What I want from you is kind of to because I think you're in a really good position to do that, is kind of to give us a, you know, especially in these times, I guess, uh, it's also very interesting to, to, to know that is, how is your personal pre prediction kind of on the, you know, on the entire of, uh, you know, mobility space or automotive space, you know, what, what do you think will happen, especially, I guess, for, you know, for people in Europe or Germany, especially, you know, that's kind of, you know, very interesting and, and something that, you know, a lot of people are thinking about because our country, in Germany or let's say also Europe, you know, the economy in general is dependent on, on this, on this um, vertical. Yeah, so three things, very personal things. First of all, I like cars. They are around for 100 years now and it <laughs> simply works for, 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 for all of us. Right. And this is why they will not disappear. Right. We are used to it and people and um, humans don't like to change their habits. Right. So they will be around. This is number one. Number two, sharing makes a lot of sense in urban areas. And yes, I live in Munich. And yes, I use sharing services as well. But would I 
sell my car or give it away? No. Right. I simply like the idea to have the freedom to drive away at any time. And this is why I want to have my car. It makes sense for me. I'm used to it. I like it. And number three, I think we will see less of these kind of crazy traveling around the world. Mm-hmm. It's great to um, be in the US and everywhere else, but does it really make sense to fly to London for a two-hour business meeting? I think that will change. And this is fueled by the current crisis. Right. Traveling will change. And this is good. And even if I, if I think about vacation, um, as, as I like cars, Christina and I, we, we bought a, a motorhome. Um, uh, and, and we really love it because we, we spend our weekends close to the mountains and um, close to the Bavarian lakes. And this is great. We, we have a one or two hour drive and have a great, great time. So it's not necessary to, to, to jump on a plane every weekend. And I think this, this is not so bad for all of us. Um, reproduce less emissions and uh, we are kind of wh- where we come from. And this is not so bad. Right. Yeah, th- thanks. Uh, thanks for these thoughts. You know, uh, I want to close up because we're already running out of time and I don't want to hold you on uh, too long. Um, kind of as a last closing remark, um, which is on a personal note, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of intrigued by, by this, uh, what you said that you were, you know, this early, early in life, you know, set uh, on your goals, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, knew what you wanted to do. And um, uh, because you said you also have kind of the space where you have, you know, all the quotes that you like. Maybe you have some, maybe you have some interesting thoughts, you know, for our listeners and that. And in the sense of what would you recommend for people, you know, that are, that are, you know, kind of struggling in the sense of, you know, what, what is my personal purpose, you know? I mean, not everybody can, can become an entrepreneur, you know, that's, that's obvious, you know, most people should not become an entrepreneur. But what, do you have something, because, I mean, for you, it was very early, very clear, you know, and you followed your path, but do you have something that you would recommend to people that are kind of, you know, maybe lost in the sense that they don't know what they really want to do, you know, or that they, they don't have this clarity, you know? Yeah, so I, I, I'm uh, for sure not the smartest guy in the world, but <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it just makes sense to follow the things you, you really like and you really love. And for example, if you really love to, to, to do podcasts with, with, with other people, you should do it. And you, if, if you're smart enough, you will make a business out of it. And this is, this is like with, with all other things as well. I would not be good in selling furniture. I don't care about furniture. So I would not be good in it. And this is why I always did things that I really liked, that I really enjoyed. And in every business, you will face tough times, like these times, for example. But as I work with something that, that I really enjoy, and everybody sees that I enjoy it, it helps us and it helps me having enough energy to get through these tough times as well. Right. So follow the things that you really like. Very good uh, closing remark. Thanks very much, Nico, for uh, being on the show and talking to me. It was very, uh, very much a pleasure. Thank you so much and have a great day.